everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show, You. Today we'll be covering the second episode from season two, titled Just the Tip, and the third episode, What Are Friends For? Yay! Uh, those two titles are kind of, when you read them together, like at mm. the end we always put like this and this, so it's going to be Just the Tip and What Are Friends For? <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I I'm I giggled last week. I'll admit I'm totally twelve years old. Um, when you were reading off the the title for for um, episode two, I'm such a third grader. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love that and really excited. Surprise! We've also decided to go ahead and talk about the third episode too, and we do have a good reason for that, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, so before we jump into it, we like to say, so we are covering episodes two and three. So if you only watched episode two, go mm-hmm. ahead and stop right now, watch episode three, then bounce back because we're going to be spoiling both episodes two and three. Yeah, we are. I did announce it, but I know it was kind of last minute that we we would be covering it and asking for feedback. So it's out there, but I know it was kind of last minute. So yeah, like Sean said, if you've only watched episode two, um, go watch it, dude, and uh, come back to us. But I'm really excited. What did you think about the two episodes overall, your general general feelings? Uh, they were good. I mean, after – so I watched episode two earlier in the week before we decided to do two and three. And I re- I was pretty tempted to go ahead and skip to episode three and not tell you. But <laughs> 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 but uh, episode three left me the same way. Like at the end of it, I'm like, man, I am really excited to see the next episode. I'm glad we're going to be doing two because – Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good binge show and it's not like binge worthy because you're like, oh, okay, hurry the fuck up. It's more like, oh, okay, so it ended on a cliffhanger. What's next? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, I've said many times this show is, we talk about it a lot, but this one for sure is definitely one of the more difficult ones to not just keep going and to allow, you know, Netflix to just do its little countdown to the next episode um, because I want to see what happens next. So I just have to placate myself with the current episode that we're on and focus on that and not stray. But yeah, I'm definitely excited to be doing two episodes. Um, Yeah, I was also um, pleased. There was a lot of things that happened in these two episodes. So um, I think it would be a good time to go ahead and jump into our top five from this week. Um, Sean, why don't you kick us off this week? What was your number five? All right. So my number five is we get to see and we get to learn about Jasper. So yeah. he was teased a little bit at the end. And when you first see him, like my first thought was like, okay, this guy kind of looks like some dude that would run like a comic book shop. And <laughs> yes, the way he talked, <laughs> yeah, the way he talked was very just kind of, you know, nonchalant. And you, you kind of got the same gist that Joe did in that moment. It's like, this is the guy I'm like, Will's scared of? Like, there's nothing here. Uh, and you know, he figures out how much money he owes. Uh, well actually first he, he makes the cash. So he, he cheats him, creates a book and sells it for three grand. Right. Totally can do that. And he meets Jasper, gives him the three grand and Jasper drops. Oh, so where's the other 47,000? <laughs> uh, and he's a little short. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, Joe kind of plays along with us like, Oh yeah, I got to do some stuff and I'll get it for you. 
And we learn why the episode was called Just the Tip, because as Jasper's walking away, grabs Joe's hand and just cuts his finger right off. I was too shocked by that moment to be disappointed that that's what the title meant by yeah, Just the Tip. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping for something else, too. <laughs> but it was totally worth it. I mean, holy crap. That was yeah. a shocker, right? And I mean, that's got to be a super sharp knife. And that takes some right. pressure. Like, that's a dude that's cut off a few fingers in his life. Yeah, that's not his first day because the dude was all prepared. He had the freaking bag of ice with him. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. He, he was like, just in case I'm going to have to, you know, um, push this guy a little bit and get my money, uh, I'll, I'll have my bag of ice ready. And it's I'm crazy. pretty sure that if Joe didn't come up with that money, the, uh, the finger doesn't cover the 47000 Like, that's like you no. get your finger back for that money. You'll lose your life if you don't give me the rest of the money. 100% Joe is going to be gone, for sure. But Jasper, I loved his character. I love the interaction, too, that they had when Joe finally says, all right, well, because Joe goes on this huge kind of quest to figure out, okay, how do I get this money? And Will tells him, well, there's this guy in the valley that owes me money, and they're having a party in the middle of the day, which was great. He runs into Henderson. He runs into his neighbor. Uh, and then he runs into the guy who has what he thinks is his money uh, and learns that, no, he thinks – at first the guy thinks that he's his grinder date. Um, yeah. It's funny because like, oh, well, here I was going to blow you. Um, <laughs> the look is, on Joe's face. Yeah. Uh, but he, you learn too that like he's just getting drugs. I'm like, oh, great. Now Joe's got to be a drug dealer. Uh, but we learn out that that's the drugs for Will who has um, – what did he said he had uh, – is it bipolar, right? That yeah, he had? yeah, he's bipolar. Uh, and so he's trying to get stuff out of Joe, not happening. Uh, but and so the interaction between Joe and Jasper and Will and Joe's little like torture lot, uh, <laughs> you know, he's like, just take him. That's Will. That's the guy who owes your money. And Jasper just in like this very cold, like, well, it's not going to do me any good. Like him dead isn't giving me any money. Exactly. It's like if you couldn't get out of get it out of him, you've got him behind this this cage, and you know by keeping him here, if you can't get it out of him, how yeah. the hell am I going to? Right. So Jasper's like, all right, well, I guess I'm killing two people today, and I I always go back to situations with Joe where I feel like I don't know in situations if he tries to trick himself that he hasn't done these things before. Mm-hmm. Just like he did in like episode one where he kind of like – he's tricking the audience. Right. But I think as the audience, we're kind of him. Like we're in his head. So when he's doing this whole thing about like, oh, no, I'm on rehab. I'm doing all this other stuff. It's more – like I said, more him trying to trick himself that he's still kind of a good guy. So in this moment, he's got this knife strategically placed. So when Jasper attacks him, he kills him right away. Yep. Like, that's something that I don't think you just accidentally do. Like, we saw a lot of stuff in season one where it seemed like, like, okay, this was kind of an accident. This was kind of coincidence. Uh, but even how he just he figures out how to dispose of the body. You know, he takes Jasper to uh, the Nirvana, spelled backwards place. Yep. Anavran. Uh, Anavran. <laughs> he, you know, cuts him all up and then turns him into hamburger and dumps him in a bunch of uh, God. dumpsters. But I, you know, he gets sick while he's doing this, which I think any normal human being would. But I feel like that's Joe when he's doing this. He's like, oh, yeah, like I got to I gotta make myself think I'm still like human, that this is not normal for me, and almost like got himself to get sick. 
Because I just don't see how Joe could do all these things. And this isn't the first body he's dissected. <sighs> and be able to be like, oh, this isn't something I've done before. Well, that's what makes Joe so different is he can do something like kill someone, dismember them, turn them into hamburger, but it still makes him sick. Like he's a complete psycho and sociopath, but there are some things that he still won't do. Um, and that's that's what that's what makes it fun about his character um, is he he has limits like he's a sociopath, but he has limits and he gets really offended, you know, um, when someone thinks that he would do something that maybe he wouldn't like the whole thing with Ellie. And, you know, she's like, everyone wants to fuck the 15 year old, which by the way, an extremely disturbing line. I'm going to say that, that, that line just, uh, it took me back like physically. I was like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Didn't like that. That's a line Um, that kind of makes like probably, I doubt that's the first time anybody in LA has probably said that. I mean, as we've learned of, (sighs) A it's lot of LA. The stuff in LA and, and unfortunately, I don't I feel like that's not just LA, lots of places I'm sure, but definitely I feel like LA that's just like that's probably where she gets that attitude from because it is um you know, she's a young beautiful girl and there are legit creepers out there um like that. So I think that she has a reason for that attitude, but still a shocking line nonetheless. And and the look on Joe's face is like, oh my God, stop, you know, like that's so wrong. And then whenever Delilah, her sister was like, you know, stay the hell away from my sister. And he's like, she's just, she's a kid. And he was like, legit offended. Like he might be a murderer, you know, and I'm just, you know, in quotes, you know, like loving, um, murderer but he's not a pedophile so yeah well i mean even in that that moment with him and her in the uh, laundry room like Mm -hmm. you see him almost look like that's i don't know if we've really seen joe with much anger but when when she's talking about what happened to her with henderson Mm -hmm. you see like it seems like oh i'm gonna kill that guy just out of pure hatred and pure like i'm scum of the earth like that's beyond scum of the earth oh yeah absolutely but yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting that, that, yeah, it's not Joe's first day killing a guy but um, and getting kind of gross about it. And I'm trying to think, did he get sick when it was Benji um, in season one when Benji died in the cage? Yeah. Remember how long Benji stayed down in the basement and he was getting like starting to rot? Remember how the smell was getting mm. up in the bookstore? Um, I'm trying to think. God, did he, he throw, yeah, did he throw well, up I, then? I think he did. Didn't he dissect him too like, or cut him apart? I feel like he did. I know he was. Is he going out there to burn his body, or was something that, like that? Yeah, but yeah, was that Benji oh, yeah, or was yeah. that Peach? I can't even keep track of like all the people that he's mm. killed and 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 what he did with them. But maybe it was Benji that he he wrapped up and took out into um, the woods and set him on fire. I guess. But it was the same thing. He did get sick at some point. Yeah. But yeah, pretty pretty interesting. That whole thing with Jasper, his character totally threw me off. I was like, this is a bad guy. You know, he, he seems so affable and cheerful. Um, even when he was cutting off Joe's finger, he was helpful. He's like, it's a go- it's okay. Put it in this oh, bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and go see, you know, this doc. It was a Dr. Henry, this neurosurgeon at this hospital. And it's going to be okay, buddy. You're, it's going to be fine. Just give me my money, right? And it was, I'm just sitting here going, what the hell? And I remember being so taken taken aback by it 
um, that when he grabbed his hand and, and, and stuck it down on, uh, it looked like a barrel there, and um, proceeded to cut his finger off, I thought, this has to be Joe's imagination. Because he's got a really vivid imagination. I mean, he, he starts imagining these things, and you think it's real, and then you realize, nope, it's just his imagination. Like whenever he was, you know, jerking it in the um, in the back storeroom yeah, the there room. at Anavra and thinking, uh, you know, when he was fantasizing about love, um and because I thought I was like, oh my gosh, they're really doing that right there in the store. And if I could walk in, they're just gonna do it right there. Um, and it was just Joe um, who just was jerking it. Um, so I thought this isn't really happening, but it really did happen. And I thought, what are we gonna do now? He's, <laughs> he's missing a finger. Are they gonna? Are we gonna go the whole the rest of the season without him having a finger? I was totally caught up in that moment. Um, yeah, I don't know how you explain that one. Yeah. He he played it off really well, um, you know, trying to you know he the way they had it wrapped up and stuff, and trying to give excuses and as to what happened and stuff. Um, and then the whole split scene when you mentioned when Joe was dismembering um, Jasper, he takes him to freaking Anavran's kitchen yeah. and he's cutting him up. And love it cuts to her making dinner. She's chopping, she's cutting and grabbing knives and doing this and that. And he's you know grabbing saws and you know cutting up. And then he puts him in that meat grinder. All I can think is that whole kitchen is now completely contaminated. Like, ew. He totally just dismembered a body in there. Did he even clean out that meat grinder? I hope so. I mean, ew, there's chunks of meat and flesh stuck in the in the I don't know what that's called. Um, but you know, where where the the, the when the, the hamburger comes out of it. Um you, you gotta you gotta get in there. Oh my god, that's just yeah, disgusting. I can't even believe I'm talking really about cleaned. it. Yeah, there ain't enough bleach in the world, man. But anyway, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. Jasper is actually my number four. So, oh, nice. Um, but yeah, this lovable Russian mob guy, you know, found on the dark web. I'm just learning about the dark web. Am I an oh, idiot or what? Uh, no, the dark web's something you stay away from because okay. <laughs> it's like when I learned about it, it's if you don't know what you're doing, like that's just a way to like get your computer infected with all kinds of stuff you don't want. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, I won't say anything else. Don't want to go there. Um, but yeah, just interesting. Um, and I love the line when he when Will does take him to meet the real Will. He's like, here he is. Here you go. And it was funny because he wasn't even really that shocked to see this you know, clear cage, uh, in a storage unit. And it was funny when he looks at him, he's like, dude, you need psychiatric help. (laughs) Yeah. He wasn't really disturbed by it at all. It's like, yeah, you know, I've seen worse, but yeah, it's what it is. You you might want to get some help, dude. And it's funny hearing it from this Russian mafia guy who's, you know, just cut Joe's finger off earlier in the day. It's like, you might want to get some help. I'm like, that's (laughs) hilarious coming from you. Um, really great stuff. That's great. Do you have anything else you want to say about Jasper no, and your number uh, five? I feel like we do. We kind of need like a, a, a was it a, the Saul one? What's that new, the backstory one for Saul? Better, better Call Saul, right? That's the name of the Oh, from Breaking, Breaking Bad? Bad? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like we need like a Jasper version of that where we just follow him from like way back mm-hmm. and see all the shenanigans he got into. You're right. Yeah, we need a backstory on Jasper. Where did he come from? Why did he... I mean, I'm guessing we kind of could figure out, based on his background, why he might need to go to Will to get some other identity. But um, why? Yeah, see what did he, fingers he's cut off. Yeah, did he cut off the wrong finger and <laughs> now he needs to get out of town? 
Anyway. Great yeah, number my five. My number five is just Jasper. I like it. I like it. R.I.P. Um, well, my number five, uh, we've talked about him a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit more about the real Will. Um, so we got a sneak peek of him in the first episode, and you know we come to find out it's Robin Lord Taylor. He's really great. I'm really, really loving him um, in, in these two episodes. We really get to kind of see a little bit more of him, and I'm finding him really funny, and I love the interactions between him and Joe. But in the episode um, two, we get to meet him and see the backstory of how Joe met him, and it turns out that there was an ad uh, from Craigslist, I am learning so much from this show. I mean, just the 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 endless possibilities. I thought Craigslist was like just for like you know, um, got a couch for sale or for free or hey, got some parts or you know, selling your car or something like that. Um, I did learn um, that there are some hookups happening on Craigslist. I don't know how I got down that rabbit hole, but I found out like some. Um, like hookups and very explicit pictures and hookups on um, Craigslist. If you're looking for some action people, it's out there. Um, but anyway, apparently you can also find, you know, folks like Will that can help you get a new identity. Um, so that makes sense, right? That Joe is looking to leave town. He needs a different identity because he's he's running from Candace, right? I mean, that was the whole reason he went to L.A. He's getting the hell away from Candace, and he's hiding out in L.A. temporarily um, because that's the last place he thinks that she will look for him. And we find out that he's, he's only wanting to disappear temporarily, like maybe go to Mexico, um, hang out, cool off for a little while, and then when he's ready to confront Candace, you know, he wants to come back. And apparently that's not as easy as it sounds, um, which I'd love to hear more about. This whole whole thing really fascinates me. If any of you folks out there are like hackers or do this kind of thing, um, send me a message because I, I, I have questions. and I want <laughs> Be careful because you're going to get a message that pops up on your computer. Like, I know. Rima, I'm probably I'm they're probably looking at me right now on my camera. This is why I keep tape on my cameras. It's probably spying on me right now. Um, but I, I have questions. I'm I'm just very very curious, and I want to know this kind of stuff. Um, so we we find out this isn't as easy as as what Joe thinks it's going to be. He tells him he's like, dude, this this takes years and years. He's like, take me for instance. You know, this was. You know, my identity has been carefully craft, crafted, and it's, you know, apparently not easy to duplicate in such a short amount of time. Um, so as soon as he says that, I just look at Will, and I look at Joe's face, and as soon as you see Joe's face, you know poor Will is toast, because Joe's like, oh, well, I'll just take your identity, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And and I just knew it. I knew it when he said. I knew that look on his face. And when Joe's like, "Hmm, well, you know, do you keep it on you?" and wax him over the head with um, a, like a concrete block, um, and then again brings up the question: Does nobody die in this show from a crack on the head? That's a good point. That's some some tough like to knock you unconscious too with that amount of blood like I'm pretty sure death or blood hemorrhaging or something bad's going to happen if you don't go to a doctor. I mean, I know that you can take a blow to the head and survive, but I've seen, you know, I watch a lot of crime shows, I watch a lot of crime documentaries, I watch um 
you know, there there was the the show on HBO with Dr. I think it was Will Bodden. I know it's Dr. Bodden. I can't remember his first name. Um, who would talk about um, autopsies because I was always really interested in forensics um, and things like that. So I would always watch a lot of um, shows like that. I know I'm morbid people. We we've established that. Move on. Um, so it doesn't take all the time a, a very hard blow to the head. You hit someone in just the right spot and that is a skull fracture and then a brain bleed or the brain swells and you're dead. So the fact that, that Joe's whacking these people like really hard with these, um, you know, bricks or concrete blocks or, you know, whatever. And, and the poor dude's laying there on the ground, but we know he's not dead, but it's like, how did he survive that? I feel like I would just be dead. I would just be dead. And then he seems to be fine. He wakes up. He's coherent with the exception of, you know, when he gets off his meds, they start to wear off. You know, he's he seems fine. Doesn't even talk about having a headache at all. Um, but anyway, um, I digress. Um, but I feel like Will is really taking being kept in a storage unit way better than I would. What do you think? Yeah, he seems to. I don't know if it's uh, just him kind of being his attitude or if it's the meds or – uh, I mean, if I was ever kidnapped in that situation, especially if I was able to get like a computer, I mm-hmm. would be sending out to my hacker friends be like, okay, here's my location or, you know, track where this location is and come save me. Call the cops. <laughs> to all my dudes on the dark web. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're on, the, you know, the dark web, you could hire somebody to come and save you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I really, I, I'm liking Will a lot, the real Will yeah. is, I hate to keep saying that because that's a mouthful for me, especially when I've had a little bit of a margarita like I've had right now. Yeah. Um, I hope Will makes it like, that's the guy like you want to yeah. see Joe open the cage and be like, Hey, thanks man. And they just part ways. But unfortunately yeah. I don't think that's probably how it'll go. You don't think he's good. I, I want him to make it. I want, I'm really hoping that he makes it out alive and that he meets his lovely Filipino fiance Yeah, and you know, they ride off into the sunset together. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. aren't we all kind of wanting that? I think we should all be rooting for that. I'm rooting for Will. I, I, I'm not feeling great because he is in the cage and I feel like Joe is just somehow something's going to happen. I mean, he's acting like, you know, he's going to let him out. This is only temporary. He just needs it for now while he's in town. But of course we know it's just not going to go the way that Joe plans and something terrible I feel is going to happen to Will. And I'm going to feel really sad because I, I really like Robin Lord Taylor. I think he's doing a really great job. I enjoy the interactions between them two um, and how they're, you know, he kind of becoming friends and he's kind of counseling him and stuff. And I love that Will kind of calls Joe out on his bullshit when he talks about, um, Oh gosh, it's in my notes down here somewhere. When he talks to him about, um, you know, what he's doing, you know, with love, he's not doing it out of his own empathy. He's, he thinks he's doing it to show that he's a good person, but he's not a good person. He, he, what he does is he justifies his own actions. Um, you know, even when they're crazy and creepy and I love that Will kind of calls him out on that bullshit. So I don't know. I I don't feel great about what might happen to him, but I'm really enjoying his character. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's my number five. All I got to say about that one. So my number four, we've really got to see a lot of this in episode three and it was, uh, I mean, I wish it was ju- this was just the tip episode because it would fit better, I think. But it was mm-hmm. all the sexual tension 
between Joe and Love. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were texting back and forth as they're watching shows. Uh, I believe the line that she sent back was, there's nothing, what is it? Uh, there's no such thing as too wet. Oh, which, that uh, is a total, that's, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think she also said, I hope you're not one of the people that are uh, triggered by the word moist. Uh, <laughs> I am, so by definitely, the way. <laughs> <laughs> so there's definitely a lot of uh, tension kind of going on from, from this. You know, she's baking them something every day, uh, which was kind of interesting because it kind of leads in my number three, but I'll hold off on it. But it definitely kind of like Joe was wanting to just be a friend. He didn't want to delve mm-hmm. into that next step because he wanted to keep her safe. And, you know, when they have that discussion, I think she kind of takes a little offense to it because I think she's thinking of it more as, you know, you know, I'm a big girl. I'm a strong woman. Like, you know, you don't have to worry about protecting me. I'm willing to take that chance. But in reality, saying, like, I want to protect you because if we get too close, my track record is if something happens, I'm probably going to kill you. But you don't say that out loud because that usually kind of, you know, that doesn't take the things to the next step. It doesn't go real well, (laughs) right? But I thought they played this really well. Like, if this was just, like, a, a romantic comedy, you know, like, this would be a great scene between that. Like, you know, you got the two, like, friends that are kind of like, well, the will they, won't they kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this, you know, it, it kind of delves into a more – it's going to delve into, like, a darker area. But uh, I'm curious what you thought about the – what I'm calling the sexual tension between the two. Yeah, she is definitely – very forthcoming with what she wants. And I respect that. And I was also just curious to get your thoughts on, you know, cause she's talking about like with her friends, like, am I too forthright? You know, am I like coming on too strong? And, you know, I, I mean, I feel like she kind of was a little bit, but I don't think there's really anything wrong with it. I think it just, you know, because of where, where his, his mindset is right now with, you know, he's got back haunting him. Um, which is actually goes into my number three a little bit. Um, but I liked all of that. I thought it was interesting how they, you know, he wants to try and keep it at a friend's level that he thinks he can, you know, keep it there. She's not quite interested in that and keeps pushing him. Like you said, giving him all these little treats, leaving these little notes. They're talking about, you know, um, you know, Oh, there's no such thing as too wet. Hope you're not triggered by the word moist. He's watching her in the kitchen. She's holding up a cucumber. (laughs) (laughs) Which I mean, honestly, that was a pretty big cucumber. So if Joe's like, wait a second, like, Oh, is that what she's expecting? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, yeah. that husband of yours, like, well, how, how was he? Like, <sighs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, I got really <laughs> distracted there for a second. Um, yeah, I liked all of that. I thought it it was pretty real. You know, I, I agree. <sighs> yeah. I, I am I I'm a shy person, and I am not, um, you know, as as bold is like what love is. I admire that. And I wish I could be that. Like if I see a guy that I really, really like, um, you know, that I was bold enough to really put myself out there and say what I want and be like, you know, and, and then if they're, they're the ones kind of playing hard to get like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm damaged and, you know, I'm, I'm getting over this breakup and it was really bad and I hurt her and, you know, and be like, you know, well, that's, that's fine. We can get, you know, we can work through that. And it's, you know, I really admire that. Although I think there's a little bit more to love than what we see, but, um, you know, I really wish, um, 
I were able to do something like that. The one time I was ever able to do something like that was um, with my ex. Um, we met in high school and um, that was the one time that I got like really bold and asked a guy out for the very first time ever, like with all the guys I'd ever dated or ever, you know, um, throughout my entire dating history, it was always the guy asks, right? And and that's how you're kind of... Um, you know, in the old days, that's kind of just how it was. You waited for the guy to ask. It was you, you, if, if a girl asked, she was considered slutty or whatever back in, in my day or whatever. So you always waited for the guy to ask. And that was the one time I ever asked a guy out. Um, um, so I wish I had more of that in me. So I admire her for, for, for being that way. And I really liked the sexual attention. Um, and we saw where it ended up in episode three, because it didn't last oh, it uh, didn't. that long. And that girl don't play. And she- oh, that's where, <laughs> I mean, like not too much behind the curtain, but like a little rough and a little kind of jumping into it. It's not too bad. But the first time, like around my throat kind of thing and a sock in my mouth, I'd probably be like, eh, that's, you know, let's that scary you, Sean? That a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's scary for, for the first time. <laughs> But, yeah. I thought I thought it was kind of vanilla. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it, it was some very light, like bondage kind of thing. The choking yeah. thing is is uh, it's not quite my thing. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people really like that. I'm not sure if that's something you want to bring out. You I know, mean, your the, first time. Yeah, for, I feel like for, you need to have first, a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely got to know what the safe word is. And when you got a sock in your mouth, it doesn't matter what the safe word is because. <laughs> But uh, again, like that scene too, that really kind of pushes me more into like, I feel like Love and Joe are very similar in what their paths are. So I think episode one kind of led us both to think like, mm, did 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 she kill her husband? Did she poison him? Yeah. Uh, episode two and three, I didn't really get that vibe as much except kind of in this. And not that like, oh my God, she's, you know, kind of dominant. So of course she's probably a serial killer. No, it's right. not anything like that. Absolutely not. It was just more of like, okay, well, we've got the suspicions before. And then they kind of, it, it felt like TV kind of like, oh, and it could be a, a red herring too, but it definitely kind of seems like the TV thing like, oh, well, she, you kind of sprinkled this little nugget in your head and oh and she's very you know dominating and very uh oh what's hell it's not it's s&m masochism what is it what's the say sadom sadist masochism yeah i don't know i always avoid those yeah. in Pornhub because again it's not my thing <laughs> you got to be careful they get mean like you watch l- those yeah it, it can get it can be kind of light or it can get pretty dark yeah <laughs> you know? i mean some of the ones where the girls they just get mean but they like it. I there don't. are people that that's okay. I get like I get beat up in life enough. I don't want like some hot chick yelling at me in bed. That's, that's not okay. for me. That's okay. That's that and that's perfectly <laughs> fine. And it's perfectly fine for the people that do. Yes, um, oh for sure. It's definitely okay if you like to be dominated. It's totally fine if you uh are the like, well, I mean, gosh, I like again, I could totally make some money if I just decided to be a dominatrix. I think I would totally just get off on like whipping a guy or something and calling him a bad boy. Um, You know, there's some money I feel to be made in that. Um, But, you know, people like playing both of those roles and that's totally fine. And everybody's got their thing. Um, But yeah, that's what I'm saying. That stuff I feel is pretty light compared to what what can happen or where it can go. Um, 
but I, I can get where it would really surprise someone who's maybe not quite so used to that. And and like I said, the choking thing, you might want to just have a conversation before you just throw that out there. That's why I'd be um, curious to see if it gets uh, more aggressive, like the more they get together throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And so if it's kind of, because I mean, I feel like Joe, if something like that is going on, I don't know. I feel like that would just open up even more like dark things for him. Maybe not, but I don't know. It just seems like this show's kind of, <laughs> I feel like that's not just the thing to be like, oh, she's into this. Like, I feel like because it's this type of show, it's like that has to mean more than that they're just into that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. I feel like they're trying to, and they might go either way because I feel like they're the show's really all about subverting our expectations. I think that they're doing a lot of hinting that you know, there's a lot more to love under the surface than what we know and see. And then when we see, you know, we're seeing this really cool, flirtatious, um, vivacious young woman. She's beautiful. You know, she's got a, a great career. She seems to really know what she wants and not afraid to go after it. Um, but there's something, you know, kind of, you know, malevolent about her just a little bit, I feel, under the surface. And then they give you a peek of, you know, oh, well, she's really dominating in bed. She really took Mm. charge and she's really dominating, Um, you know, that that's just another way to kind of lead us down that path when really that doesn't mean anything at all. Because I've seen, you know, that doesn't make you a bad person or make you anything because you like to dominate, um, you you know, know, I'm kind of trying to think if, I think it'd be really cool if, you know, we get to the end of this and like we find out, you know, and she survives this season and, but we find out that she's kind of like on the level of Joe, like she's got this, you know, serial killer mindset. But on Mm -hmm. the other hand, I'm kind of wondering if that will be a little bit like a little frustrating too. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well there's, like you said, there's this woman who's knows what she wants to do. She's kind of a little bit of dominant in bed, but you know, to take all those things and be like, oh, and then she's a serial killer. Like, okay. Like, have you really kind of pigeonholed that's, that? Yeah, that's kind of tired. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Either way is going to be interesting because I feel like mm-hmm. if it's the other way, if this is just she's just a, a person who's into these things but not a serial killer, she's probably going to die at the end, which is going to suck because I really love the actress that plays Love. Oh, yeah, I love her. So, I mean, I think the other way you get her for another season. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I could see kind of that being too played. Like yeah. being too kind of uh, cliche. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, I don't know what to expect because I feel like, you know, they, they were trying to not steer us down that path. That there's enough for you to kind of maybe not be so sure about her, but then they throw that in there and it's like, well, are they, are you know, are, what are they trying to say? Yeah. Um, are they trying to still lead us down the path of, um, God, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm flip-flopping because how badass would it be if Joe's stuck in that uh glass jail and she's the one outside of it you know i like that would be badass honestly that might happen you just i feel (laughs) like you just don't know what's gonna happen in this show i did not expect someone to have their finger cut off um to be um dismembered and put in a meat grinder um you know all of these things are just like whoa um netflix is definitely taking this show uh, down the dark side, oh, which yeah. I think is what you wanted, right? Yeah. Were you oh, kind of yeah, wanting for sure. that? <laughs> I, don't, I, I feel like it was a little light last season. So yeah, I definitely want to see it get kind of pretty dark. But, but yeah, my number four is just the sexual tension that you could cut with a knife. Oof, knife. Um, I like it. 
Well, my, what are we on? Number three? Your number four? I already talked about my number four, I think. Oh, okay. It was Jas- well, Jasper was my number four, so I already talked about him um, whenever you talked about him when you're number five. So what's your number three? Uh, we'll just kind of keep that short and sweet, but I like the idea of who bakes for the baker. Uh, yeah. Again, if this was a romantic comedy, I could definitely see, uh, and, and Joe kind of made sense of this too. It's like you realize that, you know, friendships are even harder to kind of work at than actual relationships, which I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it, he realized like, oh shit, I'm kind of taking advantage of her because she comes in. He's like, oh, I'm really excited to see what my treat is. And he opens up and there's nothing. And she's like, oh, well, were you expecting something? Mm-hmm. Um, so he wasn't really kind of reciprocating. And after talking with her brother, you know, learns about their breakfast habit that those two had. And it's a good question. It's like, well, who bakes for the baker? And I think that's, uh, you kind of put that on a lot of things, friendships and stuff that people get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a relationship, but my dad's like really good being a mechanic. And I don't, he is totally willing to work on like my vehicles and stuff like that. But I always feel bad because everybody asks him like, Hey, something's wrong with my vehicle. Can you look at it? Yeah. And it's the same idea. It's like, well, who's the mechanic for the mechanic? Exactly. And so it, it was, you know, when that light bulb tricked for him and he, you know, did the thing he did for it, it was really romantic, even though he didn't intend for it to be, which was kind of his downfall there too. But, uh, I did enjoy kind of the back and forth that they had with this and kind of the, you know, it's it's a it's a really good kind of like in, in a, a show that doesn't give you a lot of uh, probably good things to do in life. That's probably one of the good ones. Yeah, I, I think his intentions were really good, but I feel that was such a dumb ass move because to me, that whole thing screamed romantic. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's, I know he was trying to keep it on the friend level and do something nice for her, which I appreciate. I agree there, you know, somebody do something nice for her, make her a nice meal, bake her something nice because that's what she does for other people. And that's what she enjoys. Um, but the whole setup was like a total, the tablecloth, you know, um, and the sentiment making it seem something really special that it's something that she finds out from, uh, or he finds out from her brother. That whole thing was romantic. I would have been under the same impression as her, like giving these mixed signals that he's giving. And I would have been totally pissed off too. Like, dude, don't, don't be pulling me this way and then pulling me that way. Um, and totally pissed. So he should have definitely been a little bit smarter and played that a little bit smarter. Um, I think, but I agree with what you said. Yeah. Uh, So what do you have for your number three? My number three, I want to talk a little bit about Delilah and get your opinion on, do you think she's coming across like too harsh? They had that scene um, when they were in the laundry room and she really came across pretty harsh. She's definitely got a chip on her shoulder. Clearly, I think for probably right reasons, she had something really terrible happen to her, but she's let that be her her drive and her focus. Um, And I don't know if she's become um, too jaded because we hear Ellie say, you know, she's calling even people, you know, from Sesame Street perverts. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, is that, is is she, does she have like this linear focus that she's unable to really see good in people? And also, do you think Joe should be worried, um, 
that she's got like this radar, she calls it, to pick out the bad guys. And she doesn't trust Joe at all. She's like, you know, you're only acting nice because you're not nice. And, and it's like, so is that... I mean, clearly, yeah, Joe is a total psychopath. She's totally, yeah, oh, yeah. totally right about but, Joe. I'm not saying she's not, but is she, is she too, um, is she too linear in her thinking? Uh, I you mean, know, what do you think about all of that? I think she's good at identifying like creeps, and I mean, Joe is the kind of dude that, like you said, he likes to jerk off in the back room <laughs> under his apron. So he's kind of a creep. I mean, he's kind of a pervert. So. Anymore people yeah i mean i think she probably isn't like oh my gosh you're a murderer too like that's even worse uh but yeah it's there's people out there who i feel like i'm kind of good at this i'm not i'm not sure but like being able to like talk to somebody or see somebody and just know pretty right away you're like yeah there's something off with you Mm -hmm. um and i don't trust a lot of people anyway so oh yeah i probably overdo that like there's probably people like i don't trust you you probably kill people like no i'm i've never murdered anybody in my life (laughs) You're just like Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Joe? Yep. <laughs> of course you would say that. Yeah. Um, I, it's definitely a situation that like Joe's obviously a little too close with Ellie uh, in not a bad way, like a good way. He's trying to help her. But I think that's going to make Delilah very suspicious uh, because, you know, what she's been through and, you know, what the town is like, I guess, because you see a lot of other stuff seem kind of messed up. But uh, it definitely attention is not good for Joe, and he's got a lot of attention on him, not just from Delilah, but Ellie and a lot of other people too. So, <sighs> yeah, uh, he's exposing a, himself a lot. Yeah, as, uh, yeah, under his apron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I walked right into that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as a guy who's trying to lay low and not kind of, you know, have a lot of stink around him, he's starting to pick up a lot of. A lot of people mm. sent, so it's not not a good thing for him. I know, and I feel like as soon as Delilah is telling her story about Henderson, which just you hear so many of those damn stories today that it just it makes me so sick. Like my daughter and I just finished um, surviving R. Kelly, the part two oh, that they released. That, but- oh man, well. My daughter, you know, was not I won't say a huge R. Kelly fan when she was really little, like before a lot of like the allegations and stuff came out before they were public and stuff. Um, She liked a few of his songs, but I wouldn't call her like a big fan or supporter or anything. And then, um, you know, I remember hearing all of those allegations way back in the day. And, um, you know, and of course, even way back whenever he married Aaliyah and I'm like, why is nobody raising a fuss about this? She was only 15 freaking years old. He's in his mid-20s. But anyway, she, she got kind of obsessed with the whole whole thing. So we watched the part one that they had last year, that documentary. And I totally lied. I was like talking like I don't watch Lifetime. That documentary was on Lifetime. So there's something I watch on Lifetime, folks. I'm a liar. Sorry. Um anyway, we watched part one last year. And they just released um, the part two documentary um, – to that. And so just hearing all of those stories about the survivors um, of what they went through, um, you know, you hear so many other stories like that too nowadays. Um, I mean, we're going through the Weinstein uh, trials right now. I know. And the Me Too movement has really put a focus out there and it's allowed women to be heard um, and tell their stories, which is a great thing. Um, So of course we're hearing Delilah's story, which sounds like so many other stories that we hear. And I feel like as soon as she pinpoints that the person is Henderson, 
Joe just gets this look on his face again. And I'm like, oh, this Henderson guy is toast. Um, especially after we kind of feel like he's targeting Ellie, um, which I don't quite know what to believe as far as his real intentions. Because he, oh, we find out Joe, I swear this guy will justify and rationalize everything he does. He puts spyware on Ellie's phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. Which again, I'm I'm I, I I must live in a damn closet or something because I just I'm learning so much of I had no idea. Like I knew there were like like on your TV you can have parental controls, you know, you can put parental controls on on lots of things. You know, that stuff was kind of around just a little bit when my daughter was little. You know, I would kind of restrict a few things here and there to make sure she didn't get exposed to too much. Um, you know, when she was really little. Um, but it has just really exploded, um, and I, I guess I've been living in the dark. I really need to probably get out more or something. I don't know. Um, but I had no idea that it existed. And so he spies on her and, and checks out her text messages, and her text messages with him look really benign. But at the same time, I feel like that that's something that's pretty typical because that's like a grooming kind of behavior um, that – I, I feel like Henderson's probably doing like making her feel really comfortable and making her feel like she's in a really safe place. And that would be then a prime opportunity for him to, you know, strike and, and do something really terrible <clears throat> to her. So I don't know. I just, the whole Delilah situation, the Ellie situation, it's really kind of taking us to a different part in the story than, you know, the, the Joe and Candace kind of thing. And even um, a little bit of with the love storyline. So I'm really interested to kind of see where the rest of that goes. Um, but I think this Henderson guy's toast. Yeah. I mean, so it was interesting that when Joe gets into his mansion party, it, the show does a great job of this. You're like, Oh, well again, now I don't even know how to phrase this because you're like, oh, well, maybe Henderson's kind of turned it around since he had his cancer. But then, like, if you say that out loud, you're just kind of like, well, wait a minute, but you still was a dirt bag. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, how many other girls did he do this to? Mm-hmm. And, but Joe kind of even has it like, oh, I guess he's turned it around, which you can't really turn that around. But that's the way the show kind of, like, plays it for you. Yeah. But then as he's talking afterwards, he's talking to uh, Love's brother, and he's talking about, like, oh, yeah, he's got this dungeon – that looks like a place if you had all these toys, but it was like super but you're dark. A sadist. Yeah. And then you're like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, not, it's like just all kinds of creepy chills. And Joe's like, oh, I really wish I would have seen that. And like, that's where I wanted to go to episode four. But like, I, I wanted to see this mother trucker. We're going to see that freaking room, right? Oh my yeah. God. If they make uh, me wait till episode five, I'm going to be pissed. Cause. <laughs> I want to see it now. Yeah, I want to see what the hell's in this in this weird, creepy, morbid uh, nature of mine. I want to see what the hell's in that room. Um, I'm fascinated. But yeah, I just I, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on Delilah um, and Ellie and this Henderson situation. Um, that was, I think, some interesting interaction. I'm ready to see what happens next. <clears throat> what is your number two? So my number two, it's kind of a question I want to put out. So we see early in episode two that Joe is being followed by Beck. Yes. And he's having conversations with Beck. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to know, because after episode one, we both said, oh, great. We finally figured out that the whole Candace thing, she's actually real and not a figment of his imagination. Yep. After these two episodes with Beck, 
I'm starting to question if he if Candace is actually alive. <sighs> I, well, they were at the, the reason, restaurant and she ordered fries. Yeah, or he ordered fries thinking she did. Because, oh, yeah. Again, you it's go possible. back to episode one, he was tricking himself into this whole, he's turned a leaf, he's on uh, detox and all this other stuff. But Yeah, he's that's good not, now. Yeah, he's totally going to behave. True. So it's kind of like, you know, all these killings, he's trying to run away from this guilt. Now, again, this is me putting on a little bit of a writer's hat, but, mm-hmm. you know, like the whole situation with his mom. How do we know that his first kill wasn't his mom? Oh, man. Oh, Sean, you're getting and, really dark. Yeah. And maybe like that whole thing where he runs away. Well, actually, it wasn't his mom like giving him away, but it was actually him running away from the situation. Hmm. Now, we'd, we've never seen any kind of like figment of her show up, but it's just, I feel like this show, it probably won't because that's probably a little too complicated to do. But I could see this show going down a weird path where, you know, you'll learn that all these people are actually like dead like he's seeing these figments of his imagination and he's you know because we've talked about bipolar in this i can't remember if anybody else had any kind of like mental disease or anything in the last season but you know what if joe's schizophrenic or something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. and that's what's really playing into a lot of these things um i don't know what do you you think about that i i think that's really interesting and it would totally blow my mind if that turned out to be True. Um, oh, I mean the, and that's actually um, my number two is the the haunting of Joe or um, the, <laughs> the haunting of Joe's house. Yes. So did Joe's you house. see all the ghosts? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's really interesting and could be an interesting concept. She definitely looked real. Like he tried to really. Um, blink his eyes and be like, you're not there. You're not there. And she was still there and had Mm. full on conversations with her. So, and yeah, you're right. He does definitely have a very uh, vivid imagination. Yeah. I mean, Netflix, Um, if they want to call me, what I would do, you get through like three or four of these seasons and then maybe the last season you lock him up in like a, some kind of like a mental hospital or mental prison thing, whatever they call those. And he's uh, essentially in his cell with all the people he's killed. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. So when he's talking with Will, the real Will, in the cage, and he's talking about, you know, and it's funny that he's kind of giving him the same advice um, that he's, you know, getting from his shrink when he talks about, he's like, dude, you need to see a shrink. He's like, you're fooling yourself. <clears throat> He's like, and what's he say? He says, your deal is we're all subconsciously trying to date our moms over and over. Patterns are set young and all romance is basically reenacting parental um, dynamics. And uh, uh, there's, I think, maybe something to be said for that. I mean, clearly something happened with his mom. And maybe because when Joe dates, like the whole thing that happened with Beck, and I feel like probably what happens with love, but we don't, we haven't got that far yet. Excuse me. Um, what what happened a lot with Beck was that he projected what he th- who she who he wanted her to be and who he thought she was. He made her out to be perfect, and when Beck turned out to be this real person with real flaws and let him down, he kills her. So is that something that he kind of went through with his mom? That he I don't know that he 
killed his mom. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far or not, but you know, was, did he have this idealistic view of his mother that she's perfect? And then, you know, she, something terrible has happened. My theory that I'm still kind of banking on because we still haven't gotten here. We are in, you know, three episodes in and we, we don't have any further explanation of that flashback scene um, that we saw of him as a child. You know, I think she abandoned him. Um, you know, is that something that kind of played into that? Does he have this, you know, um, view of his mother being perfect and turns out she was not, that she was flawed and, um, and not perfect and did something terrible, um, to him as well. And that just kind of keeps repeating over and over for him. I don't know. But I think that's really interesting. I and when Will said that, I was like, "Dude, you're onto something there." I feel yeah. like we're we're getting a lot of insight here, and he's definitely <laughs> clued into to Joe, and he's got some insight there. Well, and Joe kind of gets pissed about his kind of. I don't remember the exact phrase, but he kind of told him to stop therapying him. Yeah, because I think it was one of those things like you're digging a little too deep here. Like I don't like this. Yeah. Well, do you think that Joe was successful in? Um. Uh, exercising Beck out of his life? Uh, no, I think we're going to see more of Beck. You think so? Mm. <clears throat> because, um, you know, they have that little scene. Gosh, maybe this is my number one. Did I skip something? Mm-hmm. I think I skipped something. Um, but, you know, we get that little scene where, uh, you know, he writes that goodbye you and burns it. Um, we didn't see her in the third episode, but yeah, I don't mm. know. I think it's really interesting to see how much that really affected Joe, that whole relationship with Beck. And, you know, I don't know. I really wonder. I know he's a, a psycho, a, a psychopath and he's delusional, but he really seemed to feel bad about what happened. You know, yeah, I don't know. I- it and maybe I'm thinking too deep into it. Like, you know, again, it, just from the first episode, and, and maybe they're not doing this, but it'd be really smart and kind of meta if whenever he's doing things like that, like it's it's him tricking himself in the audience. Well, it's not him just tricking the audience, but it's like him tricking himself. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that would be kind of really interesting to. Because I mean that's human nature. Like you, like you do something, and you can easily like, oh well, I did that because of these reasons. It's like you know, well, why did I take that candy bar when I was five? It's like, well, I mean, I didn't really steal it. It was, you know, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was the candy bar was expired <clears throat> anyway, so it right. was okay to take. I feel like that's what Joe's doing here, but I don't know if if a show's willing to make itself that complicated. So I could just be making it too complicated on myself. Well, I um, think that you should submit a sample script and you should be a writer for season three. You should <laughs> totally go do that. Wants it, I will do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, uh, jumping on to my number one, we talked a lot about him already, I think, but it's uh, just Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of mentioned a little bit, I think you were left uh, right before the end of episode three to be like, okay, well, maybe this guy isn't as bad as what we're we've been kind of told. But then with the knowledge that you get from uh, Love's brother, it sounds like he's probably even worse than what you thought. So I'm really intrigued to see where where that storyline goes here in the next few episodes. 
Yes. I love the idea of, well, first, I'm totally into this whole 20s theme. Like, you know, here we are, we're in 2020. um, And there were a lot of roaring 20s uh, New Year's Eve parties happening um, because, hey, it's the 20s again. Um, And there's a lot of talk around... um, you know, the 1920s and I watched The Great Gatsby. And so I'm totally in like the whole 20s thing right now. So then to hear, you know, oh, hey, his house was built in the 20s and it's got this, you know, really cool hidden prohibition, you know, secret doorway and um, and he's turned it into a dungeon. Not that the dungeon part is, is exciting, but I thought I would love to have like this old 1920s house. Oh, yeah. In fact, my house was built in the 19, 19- my old house that I lived in when I was married was built in the 20s. I didn't have any secret doors. I had a creepy basement. Did you check? Because sometimes those creepy basements, you move a couple things around, you're like, wait a minute, there's another basement. Sean. You could have found like 1920 scotch. I am the nosiest person you will ever meet. I can promise you if you invite me over to your house, I'm going to creep all over your drawers <laughs> and your medicine cabinet. And I will learn more about you in five minutes than what you could tell me um, in five years. Um, <laughs> Be careful for that one drawer. You'll learn a lot. <laughs> Right. I'm always careful of the drawer, the one (laughs) drawer. Um, We all have those drawers. Um, But yeah, no, trust me, I I poked around and creeped around every part of that house. It wasn't, well, one, it just wasn't even big enough for something like that. It was not a mansion by any means. Um, And certainly not as an exciting kind of thing. But um, yeah, that's a little disappointing. I just thought of that. Never even thought of that before. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. I hope we get to see that room um, as creepy as it sounds and perverse, uh, you know, uh, I'm definitely interested and it sounds like Joe is definitely going to be looking for another way, uh, to get into the house, um, again, but it seems like he's, he's found his way in, um, but he needs to be able to pull that off again. He was, he was quite crafty in his whole scheme of, um, you know, kind of getting to be one of the, the, guys on the B list friends list um, and finding a way into that party. Um, that was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. I feel like we need to coin him for that as like the social media Sherlock. Yes. Because like, if you ever watched the uh, Cumberbatch Sherlock, it seemed like that he was like, you know, all these like things popping up and him like, you know, dissecting how to do it was pretty, pretty impressive. Following the hashtags and the friends. And yeah. um, I feel like I have a lot to learn as far as that. But, you know, I, I take pride if I can't find something out online or on social media, I've got a good friend who will like whatever I can't do, she can do um, and vice versa. Um, but I feel like, because I, I feel like, you know, this something a little personal um, for me right now because this show talks so much about dating and especially probably more in season one it really kind of focused a lot on on dating and you know it's really rough out there um, even if you swipe right and you match you do the the weird awkward texting back and forth and it goes well and you meet and you get married and that person might just kill you and uh, use your social media to communicate with your friends and family <laughs> Funny Twitter thing I just saw. This girl yeah. mentioned that she uh, was on Tinder, swiped right on a guy, and they were texting back and forth. And she's like, so what's your last name? And he sent it to her. And he's like, oh, are you doing a background check? He's like, hey, you're going to find uh, that I committed murder, but don't worry about that. <gasps> Shut like, up. <laughs> thinking he was joking. And yeah, sure enough, he was uh, – I don't know if he was tried and let go or what. But yeah, he had a, a murder con- thing on his – background check wow well it's amazing he copped to it yeah. um well and she didn't go out on a date with him which i don't blame her 
Yeah, I'd be like, um, lose me on Tinder. Like, get that guy off of here. Um, that's crazy. Well, yeah, you don't know what, what's out there because, um, like I said, this kind of goes a little personal for me. Um, I just signed up for uh, Tinder and Hinge. And <laughs> it has been an experience. Oh, I bet. I have not dated, like, in forever. And I have been single this entire time um, since I've been uh, divorced and, you know, just not really that interested. And um, it is interesting, to say the least. And I know zero, like, I don't even know. Like, dating is so different uh, than what it was uh, way back in the day whenever I was still dating and what it is today. And the things that you see, and I'll use Tinder as an example, I, and I'm kind of scared of that because I know it's it's typically known as like a hookup app. I feel like it's kind of evolved a little bit. I know it's still, that's its core, but I feel like it's, I, I people tell me that it's evolved just a little bit, like you can actually kind of form a relationship and kind of date and not just hook up. Um, cause that's not what I'm after. Um, but it's easy. It's just an easy, you know, thing to use. It's not super complicated. I don't have to go, you know, fill out this thousand question survey. I'm just, I'm so not interested in myself enough to do, <laughs> to do that. So I'm keeping it simple, a nice quick little profile, which I can't even like like talk myself up enough. I'm like, I can't even come up with an interesting profile. I, I can't promote myself enough, but there are some really creepy things out there. I've seen some creepy things on um, people putting on their profiles. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm really freaked out. Um, so I feel like that that's probably what's kept me out of the game for so long is it's like, I don't even know like the, the weirdos that are out there, but there was this guy that um, liked my, like on hinge who liked my pictures and um so i i was looking at his stuff and i'm like so who's this guy and getting his stats like he has to be tall like sorry to discriminate but you have to be <laughs> tall because i'm that person um and so like checking out his stats and stuff and i'm like hmm interesting um well you don't get last names so i'm like so i kind of know where this guy lives and i kind of know what he does for a living and i got his first name so i started googling him. him i joed him <laughs> <laughs> So I totally just went all online, did some digging, found him, found his Facebook profile. I've just, and and in fact, just before we started recording, I was deep in the internet space (laughs) finding all out about this guy because I'm like, I'm going to learn all I can about this guy before I show any type of interest. Um, So yeah, I felt like such a creeper. I was like, oh my God, I'm Joe. (laughs) So yeah, just a little personal story to kind of relate to all of this and just like the whole, you know, thing. Um, So I don't know. Well, maybe I'll keep you guys updated if you're interested on what the hell is going on. It may not go anywhere. I haven't even like communicate with this person. I was literally just, I feel like I need to know everything about this person. Like I'm going to know more about him um, than what he probably knows about himself before it's all over with. Um, Yeah, I think Tiffany did like some searching on me just to make, because I mean, you have to, I mean. You have to Google the person. Yeah, it's like, oh, drug charges. Well, I mean, probably not for me. Yeah, and and I know a person that can do background checks, you know, um, that can look up that stuff, you know, not full-on hacking or anything, you know, getting into people's, like, credit history or anything, but I can find out a lot. So, um and that's kind of creepy. I don't know if I want someone doing that to me, but I want the information <laughs> on them. You have to be careful when you're a woman dating today. There are oh. some real creepers out there, like Joe. 
<laughs> so anyway, oh my God, I totally went off on a, on a tangent there, but it just, it really just kind of made me laugh um, whenever I was thinking about the show and kind of a really accurate portrayal of dating and what it's like out there. And then seeing how he keeps cross-referencing all this stuff on Instagram and how he, you know, gets all of this information. And I just laughed because I'm like, I'm sitting here doing the exact same <laughs> thing. Just cracking me up. Um, but yeah, I, I'm ready to find out what the hell is in that room. Um, and to find out if Henderson is really the bad guy, which I think he kind of is. I don't know. He's. I feel like they're trying to play it kind of cool. Like he was trying to help Joe out with 40 there at the party and, you know, um, you know, calling his own party off just to, you know, so 40 didn't have to feel bad about, you know, being drunk and silly and all that stuff. But um, I feel like that's just... Um, who he portrays or who he's putting out there is a public persona and that's not really him. Um, so I like that. That's a good number one. Uh, my number one, cause I'm tired of talking. So I got to get this number one out here. I want to talk a little bit about love. Um, we, we, we've talked about her a little bit earlier where we just don't quite have her figured out yet. Um, and I feel like we, we don't, know very much about her yet i feel like really early on in season one we knew a lot about beck we're in three episodes and i feel like by episode three i mean i didn't i'd have to go back and watch but i feel like we knew a lot about beck with kind of joe doing the same thing he's doing here like with henderson and you know creeping on um uh ellie uh he did that with beck remember how he uh took her phone um, and, and you know, was creeping on her old phone when she had to go get a new phone. Um, and we learned a lot about her. We know almost nothing about love. You know, we know a little bit about our friends. We know she loves to bake. Um, this relationship that she has with her brother. Um, and I don't know if that has to do because, you know, Beck played hard to get. Joe had to really. Yeah, that's true. You know, go after her. He had to really pursue her. He had to find out all these things about her um, to kind of win her over. And he talks about that in this season, too. He's like, you know, I had to I had to win her over. Love is definitely not playing hard to get, <laughs> you know. Um, and I kind of I mean, he's kind of lost some time, too, because he hasn't done a lot of that snooping either. Well, and I think it's because, one, love is not playing hard to get. And I think that it's kind of a, a distraction to Joe. And he's he's not going to see those red flags, you know, that might pop up otherwise if he was if he did the real digging on love and, and we learned a little bit more about her. Even though he's got a freaking telescope pointing straight to her yeah. bedroom, which I was like, holy shit, dude, you should get rid of that <laughs> telescope, you know, when they're getting ready to do well, the deed. And her, yeah, at least hide it behind the curtain or something. You've literally got a telescope pointing out your window. Nobody, I don't care what bullshit story you tell me about like looking at the stars at night. Dude, you're creeping on yep. people. In a city, you're just creeping. You're creeping. There, You can't see the stars in LA nope. with all oh, that yeah, smog. You, I, <laughs> don't give me some bullshit story that you're interested in astronomy. I can, I smell that. I, no, don't bullshit a bullshitter, okay? It's, <laughs> forget it you can't see no stars in LA not at least not the stars in the sky maybe the <laughs> the celebrity stars walk in the streets but if a dude in LA has a telescope pointed at his window he's creeping on people I can um, buy bottom line so I think that um you know despite what little research he's done to try to figure her out looking her um up on social media um 
and then having, you know, a telescope. She's got curtains. Did you ever, I had to go back and, and notice that. She has curtains. Beck did not oh, have nice. curtains. Yeah. That's probably why we don't know anything. He's like, damn it. Can't see. My damn. kryptonite is curtain. Damn curtains. Mini blinds. Blast it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I feel like that is going to come up and bite him in the ass. Because yeah. he's completely distracted, not only by all of these other things he's got, got going on. He's, you know, out protecting Ellie. He's got this whole Henderson thing happening. You know, um, Jasper, which he finished up, but that was still kind of a that was a big distraction. Aside, that was a big distraction. That was a big thing to to do and take care of. Um, but yeah, I just I I'm really curious. I don't have her figured out yet, and I'm I'm again not sure where we're going. I feel like there's a lot more to her. She gets these looks in her face, like when she's talking to Forty on the tennis court. Um, that conversation that her and Joe had out on the balcony. Um, I don't know. There's just something about her. Um, and I'm really excited to kind of peel back those layers um, and find out a little bit more about her. So that's my number one is love. Um, so, yeah, that I think takes care of our top five. Really good top five. Um, notes. Do you have notes? Uh, let's see. Uh, it was kind of cool watching them play Hangman. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought that was blood. Did you think that was blood on his finger? No, I assumed it was his- ketchup. Ah, oh, when they before we saw him dipping his finger, all we saw was like the tip, just the tip. Ah, um, and and it looked like blood as he's writing on there. And I was like, oh my god, what did he do to Will? He's hurt. <laughs> um, I thought it was blood. Anyway, sorry, Hangman. Uh, I like the improv. Uh, I think that a line we should use uh, whenever like something weird happens is, "Did someone move the symphony?" <laughs> Which it was like the worst improv ever. Too. This was the worst. Yeah. I've been to improv and I've seen some really great stuff and I've seen some not so great stuff. This was terrible. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like, you know, him falling. There should have been some more like funny stuff with him, like falling the tech life of a teenage girl. Like mm. just like random weird like memes that he didn't understand. Uh, but yeah, I feel that like would have been kinda, hilarious. I feel like he kind of kept along with it a little bit too much, but um that's all right. Uh, let's see. What else do I have here? Uh, we talked about seeing Beck, uh, Jesper and the Hidden Knife. Um, when Joe was making his meat pie, I think you mentioned it, cutting back and forth. I thought it was pretty cool. Oof. Uh, it was weird. So there's actually two other little things I want to talk about. So when Joe gets to Love's apartment, it seemed like he was kind of high on meds. Like it seemed oh, like you he, think so? he was kind of slurring his words. It felt like a little bit and kind of not real Jojo. Hmm. So I, they didn't really talk about much more of that, but I felt like it was, it made sense because he took pain meds. So he would be kind of a little bit, yeah, you know, he under been the a little dopey. Yeah. But, and the other thing, has the lighting in this been kind of weird to you? More so like when they're in darker rooms. It seems uh, a little softer okay. to me. Like the the skin tone and stuff seems a little bit more peachy and almost like fuzzy. Really? Could just be my TV, but it, it's, uh-huh. it's something I've noticed with some other Netflix shows. I feel like that it has a little bit of a softer kind of tone to it, just a little bit, or a softer like filter look to it. Um, maybe that's the LA smog coming through. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I don't guess I've noticed. I think that's all I really have had for notes. So I have notes. 
I have many notes because we had two episodes and I can't have everything in my top five. So I'll try and keep a lot of these kind of short. But I want to get your thoughts. This probably should be at the bottom of my notes because I feel like it's a real hot spot um, to talk about. So at the end of episode three, when Joe is, you know, having to talk 40 down um, and kind of, you know, like he's just making an ass of himself and embarrassing himself and people are taking video and taking pictures. Yeah. Joe got in those pictures and videos. Who do you think's going to see those I and think, show up in yeah, LA? That's that's kind of what I was thinking is that's going to be Candace being able to kind of figure out uh how to or basically that yeah, where Joe is. Yeah. I got a feeling that those pictures and little videos that everyone that you know cuz you could clearly see that um it's going to go a little viral. And somebody's going to be coming to town. Um, so, yeah, that's one of my notes. Um, just want to talk a little bit about or just mention, I guess, Joe and his invisibility cloak, a.k.a. hat. <laughs> he keeps putting that hat on like it's his invisibility cloak yeah. from Harry Potter. <laughs> like, you can't see me. And I look completely different. I love when I put this hat on. It's like Joe, like tracking people, just somebody like hiding behind a bush, very obviously. Oh my gosh, that one from season one. There was a meme of him, uh, like when he was um, across the street from Beck's apartment, and he was like hiding. And I say hiding in quotes uh, behind a tree as he's staring at Beck. And I'm like, like nobody can see you, dude. We can see you right there. We can. You're not hiding at all. We can see you staring at Beck's apartment <laughs> that has no curtains, um, very clearly. Um, I loved and just absolutely died at the John Mayer reference. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and he shows up at the party in the valley. He's like, "Are you John Mayer?" And the look on his face and I laughed so hard because I was like I never even thought about it until this moment that he looks like John Mayer oh my god that was absolutely hilarious and I died and here's what's even funnier because after he this random guy at the party makes that reference at Joe and Joe's just like what the hell I'm not John Mayer and he he walks into the next room just before he runs into Delilah the guys in the background in those like mankinis did you see? You uh-uh. had to see it. You didn't see the guys in the green mankinis. They're they're I, wearing those um, bikinis, but they're, it out. they're <laughs> you might have. Um, but they're wearing like um, bikinis, but they have them pulled up on their shoulders. They're not just wearing them like uh-huh. so. They're like way up there doing like Borat. Do you, did you ever watch Borat? Oh, yeah, yeah, his movie. So when Borat does that, that's how they're wearing them. Well, that I think was a John Mayer tribute. Because John Mayer did the same thing on this cruise or something that he did. It was like a John Mayer cruise or something that he did with his fans, which I find really fascinating um, that somebody kind of dared him to do that. And he totally did it. The picture exists, guys. Just go Google it. But anyway, um, love that John Mayer reference. I laughed my ass off. Some really great lines um, and scenes in here when um, Joe's taking a a bite of one of Love's uh, pastries or whatever it is that she's left for him in his locker. And Forty comes walking up to him and he's like, Love's buns, am I right? And (laughs) Joe's like, well, that's accidentally horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking, yes, it is. Um, 
like I mentioned earlier, I'm learning so many new words in this series and so many things that I didn't realize existed. Um, Forty asks him, he's like, oh, are you in recovery? What are you in? S-L-A-A? That's the Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Oh, okay. I, I did not know what, what slaw was um, before this. I mean, I knew that there was like a sex um, addicts like you know, um, program, you know, just like, you know, NA and AA and things like that. But I didn't know that that's what the acronym for it was. So I had to look that up. Um, and then Jacktop, I thought this was like, oh, just te- yeah, I don't, I didn't know that was a thing, but <laughs> I know it now. I thought it was just more tech jargon because he talks about, um, going to work the next day. So what about these Jacktops I've been hearing about? Yeah, like for real. What was I looking up? Oh, um, Hashcat. I was looking up all these things and I'm like, oh, so this is stuff. Hashcat is like, it's a password cracking um, software. Like you can crack passwords um, and find out passwords and, and then like Linux and all these other things. You might know some in the Sean because yeah, you're in IT. The, yeah, Python and stuff like that are, are languages that I know of. Oh, Sean, we're going to talk. We're going to do some <laughs> hacking. I'm going to need you to do some hacking for me. You, well, you can look up this guy on Hinge for me. You know what <laughs> hacking is? It's really just really good at guessing passwords. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I am not a com- computer programmer. I kind of almost ventured down that way a little bit because I do have a kind of a thing for computers and I'm really, really interested in it. But, and I knew what Linux was. Um, because I you know, have been around that long and I kind of have had that interest in computers, but I didn't know what Python was. I didn't know what Hashcat was. Um, and so I'm looking up all this stuff. And I'm completely fascinated. But then Jacktop, I thought that was just more tech jargon. But nope, it's a thing. And it's now part of my lexicon <laughs> that I can't get rid of. Um, but yeah, thank you, Urban Dictionary, for teaching me what Jacktop was. <laughs> or maybe don't, not thank you. I don't know. <clears throat> So I love when we get to hear more of Joe's inner monologue. And he says, um, in episode three, he says, the plan, get in Henderson's house, get Jacktop to Will. Not my first radio, rodeo. Thank you, Peach. Um, I thought that was a, a funny little callback to season one when we know that he broke into Peach's um, apartment and stole her laptop mm-hmm. um, and then had to break back into her place to put it back. And then, of course, the book. Or was it the book? The book and the, the laptop. Book, yeah. He took the book. Both. Yeah, he he didn't break in to get the book. He was at the party, and he stole the book, and then he had to break in and put it back, um, and then he stole her laptop. Um, but anyway, I thought that was um, just really funny. And then he was looking up all of this stuff about, um, oh, shoot, who was he looking up? And he called him a uh, libertarian, and he called him a fucking sleazebag. It's got against libertarians? I don't know. Um, Henderson's agent. And her Valley Girl accent when she was talking like this, like, yeah. it's okay, you're really talented. And I just was like, oh, my God. I There's <laughs> too many people that I know in real life that talk like that that's just like, oh, okay. I mean, like, come on, Sean. Shouldn't I, like, no. podcast the entire time in this, in this voice? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Because, oh, my God. But, I mean, honestly, like, if you're around those people, like, you feel like the smartest person in the world. So there is that. Yeah. I'm around – when I get around someone like that that's, like, so into that, uh, I, I, I feel a little stupider. Um, so I wonder what happened to that summer with the crazy nanny 
that Love was telling Joe about. This is oh, where yeah. I feel like there is a lot to this family. There's a lot to love. She's talking about, you know, 40 and how he was so confident as a kid and he had so many things going for him, but life is just now beating the shit out of him. And it was all good until that summer with this crazy nanny. And of course now love is like taking care of him and, and I'm just like, what the hell happened? I feel like there's more to that story about what happened. Um, Maybe he was abused or something by her. Yeah. I don't know if it was that, but she said he's seen more than what he should have. So it's like, what the hell happened? And then what did love have to do to like, like, I, I just feel like there's a lot to that story that we don't know. And that it was put out there. Um, it just, it, it's planted the seed uh, with me. That's for sure. Um, I was, and as I was watching, um, this is another note, uh, as I'm watching, you know, and you keep seeing Joe like justify, like I was talking about how he put the uh, spyware on Ellie's phone <clears throat> And it was, we didn't even find out about, like he gave her that in episode yeah, one uh, and here we come back in season three. Oh, I just, not season three, episode three. Oh, we just happened to find out Joe put some spyware on her because he, you know, it's his job to help keep an eye on her. He, you know, he seems to kind of like Delilah, um, but doesn't quite maybe, you know, trust that she can help keep, you know, Ellie in line and keep track of her and protect her. So he's put some spyware on her, but and he he completely justifies everything and that's what's one of my favorite parts of this show is like sometimes you just really find yourself understanding how his rationalizations but then you see the absolute creepiness of it <laughs> too and it's like damn it I, I i'm over here and i'm over here and i can't figure it out and i, I don't know where i lean like he's a total creeper but he kind of makes sense <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um and then I want to talk a little bit about Forty because we didn't really talk about him too much. And, you know, I wasn't really digging him in that first episode. I was just like, oh, my gosh, this dude, he's totally like Benji, right? And how yeah. much did we hate on Benji in season or uh, in the first season? And I was totally just to write him off. Like, he's just another entitled brat, um, has absolutely no drive or ambition, is just living off mommy and daddy, Um but then he, I like how the writers seem to have made him a little bit more complex. He's got this adorable kind of charm about him. Um, but the one, the, the one thing that does annoy me, he does do this whole Gatsby, this old sport, yeah. you know, hey, sport. Um, that is totally annoying, and I want to smack him for that. But I, I do really kind of like that he's a little bit deeper and a little bit more complex than just um, this super shallow character. So I'm kind of interested um, – to kind of see, like, as Joe calls it, this thruple thing that they have going <laughs> on. Um, and then, oh, one last little note. Victoria Pedretti uh, playing Love in this series, uh, season two, is playing a twin that was widowed. She was also a twin that was widowed oh, yeah. in Haunting of Hill House. Spoiler alert. Um, I forgot about that. That's true. Yeah. Really interesting. I also read, I just read this earlier. I was trying to be careful with some of the news and stuff out there, but I read that she auditioned for the role of Beck in season one. I think we talked about that. Did we talk about that? <laughs> I think so. Maybe During I forgot. Haunting of Hill House, I think we mentioned it. That's, we probably did, and I just forgot it. But what was cool about that is because she did not get the part for Beck in season one, allowed her to do Haunting of Hill House, and then also gave her the opportunity to come back and to the nice. series anyway in a different Which, role. So. This seems like a better role for her. Maybe it's just because she's a great actress so she can kind of play both parts, but I feel like this is a better role for her. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't think I could see her as Beck. I just, I don't know. Don't think I could see that, but I really like um, how she's playing love, but I think she's really great. I'm really excited for her. I hope she um, has lots more great parts um, and has a great career because I think for being so young and so being an inexperienced actress that she's um, doing really well um, in her roles that I've seen her in. So anyway, that was a lot of notes, but we had two episodes to cover. Um, that covers it all for me. Um, so a little bit of news, like I said, I did kind of look up just a little bit of news. It's hard to navigate, um, without getting spoiled, but I did see this really cool, um, entertainment weekly did this really cool, like digital edition with Penn Badgley. If you haven't seen it, you should go check out the pictures and the photo shoot that they did with him. It was uh, super cool. Um, but they had, um, they interviewed him and they had, uh, Sarah Gimble, who's the showrunner. Um, just some quotes and some snippets from that. I didn't do the whole thing because it was kind of long. Um, but they have this, um, little part talking to Penn Badgley. He says it was so hard for me to shoot the first season knowing that we were killing Beck. He says, I would even say it. He says, when we would shoot a really nice, sweet romantic scene after they'd call cut, I'd be like, uh, don't forget we're killing her. (laughs) Just in case anybody was enjoying themselves too much. Remember what we're doing here. (laughs) And he talks a little bit about, because we know that the first season of you originally aired on lifetime. Um, I think it had a little bit of viewership, but clearly it really catapulted when um, Netflix picked it up. Um, So with more eyes on you, Badgley started witnessing the conversations he'd been so curious about. And he says, I think all of my fears were confirmed as well as my greatest hopes for it. He says of the response to the show, Um, he says, the things I was worried about, it's not as though those things haven't happened. For instance, the devilish charm of Joe almost painting over his lethality. Um, He says, as more people started to watch, there was no denying that many people thought Joe was hot, romantic even. Once again, Badgley felt he needed to remind people that the guy's a murderer. Um, he said uh, fans would tweet him things like, at Penn, Penn Badgley was sexy as Dan, but Lord Joe is a whole new level. And he'd respond to those and he'd say, um, of problems, right? Like new level of problems. <laughs> he said one fan tweeted him, um, quote, I've never trusted anyone less than at, at Penn Badgley, to which he responded, my favorite feedback so far. <laughs> He's been pretty outspoken about um, people really... Um, uh, standing Joe. And he's like, you do know this guy is like a psychopath, right? <laughs> um, so then we um, get a little bit of uh, some quotes from Victoria Pedretti, who plays love. She says, love is extremely independent and not easily manipulated. She's someone with a really strong sense of self and an unstoppable tenacity. She says, I wanted her to be just like sunshine, putting warmth and kindness into the world. Um So after spending much of season one in the basement, Joe could use a bit of sunshine. That is, if he lets himself have it. He says, or they say Beck's death death changed him. In season two, he wants to be a better man. That means not immediately falling into the arms of someone new. So Penn Badgley says he's struggling with a degree of self-awareness that he's not had before. And this time he actually has somebody who wants to be with him. Um, Sarah Gimble, the showrunner, says if he had met love before Beck, it wouldn't be the same. The circumstances of his encounter with love are very informed by what he just went through with Beck. And I totally um, think that's true with what we've seen, at least in these first three um, three episodes. So anyway, yeah, <clears throat> thought that was interesting to see how this ep- this season ends and then compare like, well, what would have happened if he met love before Beck? But we mm-hmm. got to kind of see what happens with this love story first. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely got to get through that and see how this ends up because I don't have a freaking clue. I feel like I kind of know, but I feel like with with the way that they keep kind of twisting things, I'm probably not going to see it coming. And I hope not because I love not being able to predict that stuff. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so that then goes into um, our favorite part of the podcast, and that's our listener feedback from you, the listeners. Yep. So our first one comes from Doug Fix, and he says, So, as the episode began, we see Joe Will observing love from afar. But where is his invisible cap? But then we see they were there together. Phew. I thought Joe Will, should we call him Jill? Done screwed up. <laughs> then we see that he arrived at L.A. by plane and checked one bag. How did he fit the murder room in there? Oh, I see. He built a new one, 3x4 plexiglass. Looks to me that he used a series of 4x8 sheets in what appears to be a 12x8 room. This would require 10 sheets of sides and 3 for the ceiling. Home Depot does not sell these sizes. <laughs> Amazon. Check With- Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Without considering the floor and the hardware, poop bucket, pillow and mattress, each panel costs $1,900 each and are available at Acme Plastics. Seriously. Via custom orders. Air holes extra. So let's say uh, 20 grand for your own murder room. But I digress. Wow. So you, yeah, that's pretty expensive murder room. I, I'm a little concerned that Doug's went this far into the research. <laughs> you know, he did invite us out to his place uh, in a couple weekends, too. Yeah. So I don't know. Hmm. Dibs on the poop bucket, I guess. <laughs> so you can get a new identity via Craigslist. Sweet. And the mastermind behind it? will meet you in public for a small fee and tell you all about his perfect fake identity and then take you to his car where he keeps his inventory. And then, bam, another blow to the head. Don't worry, he survived. Joe Will is not only a chick magnet, he's a brick magnet. Always one at Joe's disposal. So, Joe is able to make a counterfeit book and sell it basically within hours at the store. How did he contact the buyer? Did some guy come in and say, where is the organic kale? And oh, by the way, any rare books for sale? <laughs> well, I mean, it is L.A., so probably. Probably. And offer exactly the three granny needs. Is it me or did you think the enforcer guy was awesome? Just the tip. I get it. So my fingertip got severed and I have infinite times, but I will drop in at our canceled lunch date and lurk within earshot. No worries. I have my invisibility cap. Mm-hmm. And shout out to season one with custom masturbation pillows. <laughs> Delilah is a landlord and a reporter. Um, Hindi is dead. He just doesn't know it yet. Best line of the episode. I assume you realize that you need psych- psychiatric help. So good. I miss him already. Mm-hmm. Did Joe really turn him into hamburger? Shout out to Jadis. Good thing Joe had time to get his finger reattached, dismember a body and drop in on love. He is going to sleep good tonight. I don't think there will be any more Beck cameos after he burns the note and has a fresh pair of undies. Can't, mm. Oh, yeah, I guess he did nab some, <laughs> didn't he? Uh, can't wait to continue watching this dumpster fire of awesomeness. Bring on episode three. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably purged um, all the keepsakes that he had from Beck, and it's on to new underwear and a new hiding spot. I feel like the hiding spot above the um, ceiling tiles in the bathroom were a better yeah. hiding place than the hole in the wall. Yeah, What if somebody knocks down that picture? Mm-hmm. Or moves it because it's not sitting right, and they're like, hey, there's a big hole. Oh, wait, it's, who's on? Un- oh, wait, wait, who's in my underwear? Minute. What's this? Um yeah. Oh, that's great. Great feedback, Doug. Um, again, still a little bit concerned about um, <laughs> what you know about murder cages. Um, 
So Doug also left us some feedback for episode three because you guys always come through for us. So thank you, Doug. Um, He says, when Sunrise told love, I know you love, you cook when you're happy and you bake when you're sad. OMG, it was like she was talking right at me. (laughs) Oh, except replace cook and bake with drink and drink. (laughs) Loving it. (laughs) Doug, you're my spirit animal. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Our next one comes from Greg Schwamb. Uh, spoilers for you, season one. Okay, having just finished season one of you, here are my thoughts. One, shouldn't be a season two, should have ended about 15 seconds from the end of the last episode, and been a self-contained story, was fine without a cliffhanger. Two, few redeeming quantities of many of the characters in the show. Peiko and Ethan were the two I felt I actually liked. I was actually expecting Peiko, or I'm sorry, Paco, to take out Beck with the gun Joe dropped in the drawer. 2A. Everyone in the world has things that are, irrat- are irritating to somebody, so I applaud the art imitating life. Three, but I wanted to root for someone, and un- unfortunately my allegiances kept shifting all the way to the end, so the cycle won. Although a lot of the stuff Beck said inside the cage rang true about Joe being screwed in the head by Mooney. Four, to be fair though, I'd have a hard time getting past the teeth in the jar. <laughs> Five, I did like the way the show would reinvent itself every few episodes, so it was a continuing story instead of a semi-procedural where the same concept was explored every episode. One again, lastly, I'll repeat my first point. Having Candace show up in the final scene seems like I'm being baited into watching season two, even though they could have ended with the bad guy won and just moved on to another love of his life. We hope you liked our show and that you tune into our next story instead of WTF just happened. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Greg. <laughs> that was good, though. It was well, well yeah. put out there. Really, really good points. That's for sure. A lot of people did have a lot of issues with many of the episodes um, from from um, season one, um, and I understand that. I just I try not to take the show too seriously. Just try to have fun with it. Yeah. You know, um, if you do take it too seriously, you're going to be left way disappointed. Um, but yeah, lots of good points. That's for sure. Well, Greg, I hope you're watching season two. Greg is in our, um, not our Facebook group, but the Facebook group, um, that Jason has for, um, some of his, um, Patreon members and Greg's in there and he was talking a little bit about it. I'm like, dude, go leave, leave some feedback and let's hear what you're, you know, what your thoughts are. So he's new to the show. I hope that you're watching, um, season two and we get your thoughts on that as well um as always we have from um our loyal listener we've got a couple of voicemails uh from steve brown and these are um see the first one that we have is for um what was episode two i can't get it out tonight the freaking margaritas went straight to my head well there was episode just the tip just the tip (laughs) just where i'm gonna keep saying it Hey, Sean and Rima, this is Steve, and uh, this is for episode two of season two of uh, You, Just the Tip. Um, <laughs> good title there uh, with the episode. Uh, I'm a little, I'm still a little untrustworthy of anything that we see because of the unreliable narration. But if we can go a couple of episodes without them showing him, you know, not telling us the truth, then maybe I'll, I'll be okay with it. That uh, that pinky cutting scene it kept it caught me completely off guard. I don't know about anybody else. Like I didn't like he whips a knife out and grabs his hand, and I'm just like, what? Um, and uh, I guess he got it in that ten to twelve hour window, huh? And, and got his uh, his hand repaired there. Um, 
But it was also pretty funny that both uh, Jasper and Chris D'Elia's character, what did they call him, Henderson, mentioning uh, Dr. Daniel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like, we have a, a really difference in the characters of the landlord woman and love because the landlord woman seems to be able to kind of look past uh, Joe's facade. And she knows that there's something um creepier or darker lurking within him whereas love doesn't seem to to have that she really has the hopeful attitude that oh you can't hurt me uh, and that kind of thing but uh, so that that's really interesting to see that the is juxtaposition the right word for those two characters of the landlord and love having those both two different opinions of him I, I thought that was that was really interesting and, and interesting to know what you think if if I'm maybe I'm off track on that or if you think uh, that's correct because I think uh, she's really one of them kind of has his number and one is uh, still hopeful they can figure him out. Uh, all right, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. Hello, Remen Sean, it's Steve. I just finished uh, episode three of season two of You. Uh, what are friends for? And uh, it's early morning. I only watched it once. Um, I'm glad I'm getting this in before uh, you guys record tonight. So just uh, just some quick uh, thoughts that I know I didn't say it earlier, but as soon as Will, Joe, damn, it's too early. Only one cup of coffee. Uh, as soon as Joe gave <laughs> Ellie that phone, I was like, I'm sure he put some sort of tracking thing on there. We're going to find out later because that's just what he would do even if he didn't think he was going to ever use it or he's going to tell us he didn't think i don't know i'm still i'm still uh on the fence about this this relationship with this underage girl that doesn't uh yeah uh anyway so um glad they didn't make us wait too many more episodes for him and love to hook up we knew that was that was going to happen. Although it is, I didn't see it coming the way it, uh, it's uh, too early in the morning. Um, I, uh, uh, the way it happened with him now developing this friendship with the brother that they're apparently they're collaborators. (laughs) I thought was hilarious that that guy just took that logical step that, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll think of something else. This won't, won't uh, work out, (laughs) but we'll think of something else to, to do together. So, and, uh, um, I, <laughs> I've always liked Crystalia, so it's interesting to see him play this kind of a different kind of character. And we're still not a hundred percent sure exactly how uh, much of a bad guy he is. But of course, we know that at some point Joe is going to develop his own barometer and figure out who's good and who's bad. All right, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. Ah, uh, thanks, man. Always great. Always great to hear from our good friend, Steve. Great feedback. Great observations. I think he's on point with a lot of that. Um, so, yeah. On to the next episodes to find out what the hell happened. Yeah. So next week we'll be covering the fourth episode from Netflix TV show You titled The Good, The Bad, and The Hindi. And the fifth episode titled Have a Good Welkind, Joe. Oh, the hell does that mean? I don't know. I'm excited, though. I'm going to be watching those here pretty soon. Yes. Um, I'm very excited to go get caught up uh, with, with many other folks um, on those next two. So 
uh, we are really excited for you to follow us into the book basement, but until then, or storage unit, um, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger TCast, and you can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. Why don't you go give us a follow? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be sad when the show's over. I know. It's like, got the best puns. I know. I'm going to lose all of my you references. Um, you can also email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcast. Please, please. It helps people find us. Um and make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance. It comes out every Sunday. What's coming up this week? Oh, we go through some of the weirdest conventions out there. Furry conventions, Ooh. S&M conventions, oh. clown conventions. Oh, we go through nope. all of them. Nope. No, I yeah. was I was with you, Sean, until Richard, you got to clowns. Richard brought the clown one, and I was instantly saying, like, nope, not going. Like, 3,000 clowns in one convention place? Nope, not for me. Oh, man. That sounds like my worst freaking nightmare. Oh, my gosh. What is Richard thinking? Is he not, (laughs) is he not like, oh, my goodness, he not scared of clowns? He doesn't have a clown thing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Everybody had a clown thing. Well, I look forward to hearing most of that. (laughs) (laughs) The clown part. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 115, Just the Tip and What Are Friends For? Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Greg Schwamm is strange indeed. You know, it would be funnier if they had these flipped around because it'd be, what are friends for? Just the tip. <laughs> that's that's not a friend. <laughs> <laughs> the tip is a tease. <laughs> 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 <laughs>